The first 10 minutes were fantastic. TFC take the lead 2-0, and everybody thinks all is good. And then the wheels dramatically fall off this team uh, as they slump to a 4-3 defeat. A soul-sucking, demoralizing loss to your Derby rivals in a game you had to win. Just, it really just sucked the life out of BMO Field last night, and that was a tough thing to witness in person. Welcome to a a little bit of a disappointment uh, Tunnel Club day after show. Uh, You're with your host, Mike and Sean, as well. Um, uh, Many of you might have been at BMO Field last night for the match. Uh, It's kind of hard to put into words uh, sort of the range of emotions that I think a lot of people felt, whether you were in the stadium or at home, but I think I think disappointment um, is a pretty apt word at the moment. Um, but of course, Sean, I'd love to get your thoughts. You were in the stands as well, taking in this game. Um, would love to get your thoughts, and then of course, uh, for those in the room, uh, if you want to participate, as always, feel free to tweet at us um, uh, at TFC Tunnel Club. Use the hashtag. Uh, TFC Tunnel Club, or if you want to grab the mic, uh, feel free to do so and we'll try to get you on air. But Sean, let's start with you. Um, Just your overall thoughts on uh, what ends up being a pretty disappointing night for TFC fans. Well, um, I think you summed it up pretty well. I mean, you know, we were both there. Um, Frustration, uh, disappointment, anger during parts of the game. you know, you have a packed stadium, fans that are loud, fans that are engaged. And, you know, the first 15 minutes was, or 10, 15 minutes was beautiful. And then after that, like, I honestly don't know what happened. Um, you know, watched the highlights and saw the goals against. And I, and I know people in the audience are going to want to touch on this. Um, so I'm going to actually let them kind of like, today's really for you guys to kind of let your frustration out. Because what more can we say? Really, after last night's disappointment, where potentially, uh, you know, Insigne, does he have a hamstring injury? Because it didn't look pretty near the end of the game. Um, yeah, I really don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, it, look, let's let's just sort of start off from the beginning. I think TFC start the game really strong. Um, the response you would expect in a derby match, you have to win. And, and, you know, they, they start off on a really good foot. Look, they get a penalty to start the game. I thought, you know, uh, again, IO positive and, and trying to trying to use a strike to get to the ball and gets hauled down by Sam Piet. Uh, you know, pretty straightforward penalty in my opinion. Um, you know, Bernadeschi puts it away and the stadium's rocking at that point, right? Uh, and then, you know, just a couple minutes later, you know, you go up 2-0, and again, it's your DPs that, that step forward and, and a little bit of a fortuitous uh, sort of play or bounce to Lorenzo Insigne, but dispatched expertly. Um, and at 2-0, you know, Montreal are back or are rocked at that point. You think, okay, you know, you, the next part of this is to start to get some control into the game. 
Um, and they failed to do that. I mean, I mean, right after the kickoff, essentially Montreal grow into the game. And from then on, they dominate the game. You know, they, they really, and let's, let's, you know, as much as yes, their arrival and, and, you know, the, all the rhetoric um, up into and during the game, but Montreal is just vastly a better team than Toronto FC right now. Like, let's just, you know, let's call it what it is. They are well-built, a, a well-coached team in Wilfred Nancy with a team that, with no real big stars, right? Like this is a team that's been able to build a, a team that can contend for a shield without any major, you know, DPs. I mean, Victor Wanyama, sure, but, you know, this is built off smart scouting. Um, within MLS and finding pieces that that make you a really good team, and and as much as we're gonna, you know, a lot of people are gonna want to talk about Bono, and that's fine. He's everybody's whipping boy, sure. Um, you know, this this frankly, you know, when you sit back and look at it, TFC were beaten by a better team, and, and that's really what it is. Um, we got some we got some uh, people already requesting the mic, so let's not waste any time. Let's get them in. Uh, we'll start off with Chris, and we'll bring Noel in afterwards. So, Noel, hang tight. Uh, Chris, just bringing you in. Uh, go ahead, unmute yourself, and uh, give us your thought or question. Um, oh, no, again. A couple oh, no's in that game. Um, I'll just move on, because if I stick with that, I'm just going to get angry and... Uh, start swearing and stuff like that. Um, it says a lot to me that Jesus doesn't even start. Like, I'm a big Io Economa fan, um, but I have to admit he's been, for the most part, poor this season. Um, there are factors to that, but and he has had some good moments, but he has been poor. Um, and Jesus scoring, and then he doesn't start this game. Um, I, I, I don't understand the whole situation around Jesus. Why did he need a mental break? Surely you give a mental break to a player who maybe he's not going to start the next game, but you eyeing him to start future games. That's why you're giving him the mental break so he can find himself again. And then, I, I don't know, something around that doesn't seem right to me. There's something going, like I said at the time, something's going on there behind the scenes that we're not aware of. It, it's very strange to me. Um, and, and what you guys were saying, they, they are the better team. Um, they play like a team. We play like a collection of individuals. Um, I've noticed all season long we've struggled with this, but when we make a mistake, our heads drop. Um, I think it's normal to expect when you're, down, when you're up to nothing that the opposition, as good as Montreal, is going to push, but you've got to find some resolution. You've got to defend well. You've got to, you've got to play well. They're going to come at you. Um, and you've got to play well. And Bono made a mistake, um, and the heads drop, and then we concede again soon after that. And then Chris Mavinga makes a mistake, and then it, it's just like it, 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 that's something that. And then I compare us to Montreal, um, and Piet made two mistakes on the first two goals in ten minutes, and his team was able to rally behind him and get the win, and. Uh, as much as I want to play Blaine Bono, like, okay, like he made mistakes, Mavinga made mistakes, but it's like our heads drop when we make a mistake. And it doesn't just end there. Montreal made their mistake and mistakes in the first 10 minutes, and it ended there for the most part. 
Um, uh, right now, we're looking forward to next season. Preseason for next season starts now. So um, that's something that Bob Ruddy's going to have to work on. One, we've got to play more like a team. And two, we need to find a way of improving our mentality. And I know that probably comes from winning, which we haven't done a lot this season and last season. So I understand that. But we need to get a winning mentality back because I look at how Montreal was able to recover compared to how we were able to recover from mistakes. And it's like night and day. Um, I actually got to head out, guys. So uh, I'll let you put me back in the chat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Chris, uh, for your thoughts. And and this is something that I was thinking as well earlier today. It kind of remind TFC kind of remind me right now of another team I support, Man United, in a sense that 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 mentality is gone. But not just the mentality; the fact that to get that mentality back, this team has to spend a lot of money to do it, and. It just it just makes me think. I know a lot of people. Obviously, the, the look, you're not in this run unless the DPS are playing the way that they're playing. They have delivered and done their jobs. Um, and right now, what TFC really lack and struggle at, which is a complete contrast to what Montreal has done really well, is they have valued and scouted MLS talent better than TFC have. TFC, in my opinion undervalue inter-domestic league players. And the many times those players get you over the hump. The DPs obviously bring quality and keep you in games and can win you games out of nothing, as both Bernesci and Signe and, and even Crescito have done, um, even though Crescito is not a DP, I know that. Um, they can win you games out of nothing. But those steady MLS-tested guys are the ones that make you real contenders in this league. And right now, there are teams in this league that have done that and found those players better than TFC have. And it will be interesting to see in the offseason how TFC approach the roster building. Because it's clear, I don't think it's a debate that this team is four, five pieces away. I think there are three from the starting 11, but you still need some more pieces for the, for the, for depth on the bench. And I don't think you can find them all in Europe. And I don't think you can go to Italy and just keep buying more Italians. This is, that's not how it's going to work. Um, in this league, you need to be able to find domestic talent. And when I mean domestic, I mean Canadian and U S talent that can come in and do a job and like kind of Chris said there, not drop your head when shit goes wrong. Right. Um, and, and that's, that was a bit of a, you know, that, that, that was a bit of a, a wake up call, I think, or should be a wake up call in terms of the type of talent that Toronto FC need to look at in the off season. Um, Noel, I'm going to bring you in in a second, but Sean, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Chris's comments there. I mean, Chris is pretty, is, you know, basically bang on. And I think, again, you know, we can all get real anger. We can point to so many different factors. At the end of the day, we're not deep enough or strong enough outside of our DPs. And we've seen it prior to them. We see how the team struggled when we didn't have, you know, the that firepower. As soon as we added them and tweaked a few things, we saw the instant improvement. But holes are still there. Midfield was 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 non-existent yesterday when it came to, you know, controlling it and moving the ball and, and having some kind of attacking force. Um, 
at least outside of that 10 minutes, like heads down. And compared to what we've seen most of the season with the team in the sense of, you know what, they concede early, they were able to always fight back. It was a different vibe after that first goal, right? Like we're still up to one, but you did not feel confident anymore. You almost felt like what, what's happening? Like I personally could feel it. So you're right. Like there's, you know, in the off season, like we all realize there's so many holes that need to be filled and it can't be, you're right. It, Europe cannot be the place out. Like can't be these out of non MLS factor type players. We need those. Like when we won, we all know we had our big names. We had, you know, sprinkled uh, with, with MLS veterans with like, we were a balanced team. We aren't a balanced team right now. A hundred percent. I mean, look, just, and again, it, this is partly by design at the moment. We know this is not a finished team. We know it's going to take time to build uh, the roster that we want. Um, but it, it just, you know, if you just think about it, every goal since Bernadette and Insigne have come into the team have been either scored by or set up by one of the two. Every single one. Um, and, and that's that. I mean, it's good in a sense that, yes, obviously you want your DPs being DPs. That's exactly what you want to a certain extent, but it does speak to just some depth around being able to create um and even look, even goal scoring is actually not really the issue with this team. I think part of it is just a lot of team defending as well. And look, you're and, and again, we also have to say they're missing Jonathan Osorio um, in this game, and he is a massive influence on how the team plays, and that is a factor for sure. But it is a little; it, it does speak to the the drop off, the massive drop off. Um, in quality when either Oso or Mark Anthony K, who made his return in the second half uh, last night off the bench, but looked rusty, looked like a player that hadn't played in eight games, um, is when they're not in there. Like the drop-off is so drastic. And we know we've talked about the kids and I'm not going to dwell on them, but at, you're going to need something in between a little bit of a buffer um, to to just bring up that quality coming off the bench. Uh, Noel, um, you've been waiting patiently. Thanks so much, man. Go ahead, unmute yourself, and give us your thought or question. Hey, how's it going, boys? Uh, well, that was an interesting game last night. I think I uh, was angry last night. I was angry this morning. Uh, I think I'm going through the seven stages of denial right now, but I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, the interesting part from last night is, yeah, there's it's the same culprits with the mistakes. We know that. Um, it was interesting that Bob Bradley actually addressed it as well, which I thought was uh, um, quite an interesting conversation to have uh, during the uh, press conference there. So, you know, when there's asked about Bono and, you know, is he providing you the goalkeeping experience you need? You know, the answer was no. It was pretty blunt, pretty obvious of where the issues were. I think for me, the biggest tell last night was Christia, was Christia's frustration. Um, like it was very apparent on that third goal. He went over uh, to express his opinion to Bob very, very clearly on what he thought was wrong. And then, you know, he quietly got substituted. So I don't know if he was just that irritated. 
Um, but it, it, it's, you know what, at the end of the day, we go look at it and go, you know what, we, it has been a rebuild. I think the problem is we had a bit of hope and then the usual suspects did what they normally do and let us down. And I think it, it's, you know, like Man United, you've got to start getting rid of those players. You've got to start moving on from them. If they're not good enough to be on this team, they shouldn't be on this team. And, you know, we need those. We do need those savvy MLS veteran players that just know how to do it. And, and at the end of the day, I was looking at the stats last night. So we've scored, our strikers have scored 10 goals in 60 games combined. It's just not good enough, right? And that's the problem. We're just not good enough in every area of the pitch. And we had a bit of, you know, we had a bit of hope. And it, it's kind of gone. So, you know, let's just move on to next season. But I just hope that we deal with the bad contracts. We, you know, Mavinga again had another nightmare, you know, pulls up, you know. And then Bob's, again, Bob said, you know, he checked himself out at halftime which I thought was interesting. So, you know, again, it's this, it's, it's what, you know, what do you call it, right? You know, if when players are just jumping and dropping and yeah, it's just a very frustrating season on top of a previous frustrating season. And I think the, the biggest part is just because, you know, we had that hope and then, you know, the certain players have just done it again and checked out, let us down and, Away we go, right? We're going into 2023 with, you know, let's see what they can do and bring in a couple of proper MLS guys to help fill out that roster because that's clearly where the gaps are. And we just need accountability. That's all I think. That's all I ask is just accountability. No, that, I think that's a fair ask, Noel. And, and look, I, I think that we, we it's clear to see where the holes are on the team. Um, you need a starting goalkeeper, you know, Axbon is just isn't good enough. Um, I think everybody knows that. You know, we could sit here and and whip Alex Bono all day if we wanted to, but the fact of the matter is, is he's just not good enough. Um, and look, I feel like he's one of those players that I think for his own career, I think needs a change in scenery. Um, I think he needs to go to another team because I do think he can be, you know, a salt. He can be like a a good. MLS goalkeeper, but I feel like this is just not the place for him to do that right now because there's so many, there's so much expectation around this team. Like if you, if you look around MLS, there are very few teams in this league that have legit sort of pressure to win. Um, and no, sorry, I'm going to just move you back to the audience. If you want to grab yeah, the mic, no go ahead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, in, in terms of that, I, I feel like Alex Bono if he went to somewhere, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not shading RSL or Houston or anything like that. But like, if he if he went somewhere like one of those clubs and was just, you know, he could just play his football and doesn't have to deal with the amount of media that the team has to deal with, you know, the us, you know, talking about it after game stuff like that, right? Where that that sort of expectation isn't as prevalent then I think he could be solid, but I think he, he struggles with it a little bit. Um, I think some, I, maybe Sean, it was you yesterday mentioned to me while we were watching the game that, you know, they were, you know, Montreal had a corner. I believe it was in the first half and it was probably after they had either gotten, you know, they got the first or maybe it was, it was two, two at that point. And he looked really nervous to take that, to take that corner. And, you know, at first I'm like, okay, this is just chalking up to regular Bono hate. 
But then when I looked at him, the, the body language, it just wasn't right. He did look like he was like, Ooh, here it comes. They're going to put it on me because everybody, like everybody in the league knows, you know, challenge Alex Bono at these moments, see if he's going to come out and try to get the ball and make a mistake. Um, and I, and I feel that that's, just, I, and I just feel that's something that, um, you know, I think a change of scenery for him right now in his own career would be good for him. 100%. Like um, it, that was actually in the second half. Cause I was, I was getting real frustrated watching how things were playing. No, it was sorry in the first half, but like when you rewatch some of those goals again, you, his positioning was bad. His there's like, you're making a save and you're diving one handed. There's that's not a, a confident keeper is, is reaching out. It's like, I'm going to get this. I can do this. And it's a two handed, even if you're trying, you at least are trying to palm it up because if you watch the replay on goal number two, he touched the ball. But if he had if any keeper two-handed is pushing that away and making that save. So, and again, if you actually watch how he's backing up, bad positioning. He's not on his toes. He's not sharp, ready to react. Bad. That's a keeper that's, oh boy, versus I got this. He doesn't have the confidence. So a change of scenery is the only thing. I mean, for us, we, we need a new keeper. He needs to move on to see if he can still rebound to what, you know, the hype was coming out of college. Because there was a lot of hype around him. He was part of the national program. He was expected. Then, you know, things went better than you could honestly anticipate for his career the first few years. But he, you know, I've said it before, all this hype about Bona from back in the day, if you really look at it, look at the team in front of him versus you really looking at him statistically. Yeah. Um, and look, again, not to belabor this point about Bono, because he's not the only issue, right? Like, Oh, no. The, 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 the team defending. Yeah, the team defending. Yeah. Like, third terrible. goal, 100% yeah. Mavinga. Like, you watched, like, the way Kamara just, like, made him look like a, a baby on that play. And then uh, he could be injured. Legitimately, I'm not a doctor. I'm no expert. But it, I've also seen this scenario before out of Chris Mavinga. And that's why I have to question that whole, his motivation. Like, I get, we all get what's been going on personally. We could all humanize and understand that, right? Yet, we also, he's also the one who said, you know what, he wants to step up and be there at, at key moments for the team, even when things are going, uh, he's been dealing with issues. So we need, if, if, if that's what you, we need a, a, a defender, our main center back to be able to, Block out what you can and play the game. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think what, what frustrates me and um, MCP, I'm going to bring you in in a second, but we go up 2 0. And, you know, the first goal that they get is off a, a, a you know, sort of a, a, a sloppy, broken play. Nobody's tracking Kamal Miller in the box. They get the first goal. Fine. Okay. That happens in a football match. Um, the second goal, the Mihailovic goal, which was a great strike. You know, let's not take that away from him. Look but, where he took the strike from. Well, no, no, okay, okay. yeah, but six okay, six or seven meters outside the eighteen-yard box. Again, that a keeper should have had the perfect spot to save that. It wasn't as if it was inside, and and it was bad. You know, he had the perfect angle. Nah, it was a pretty good strike. I'm not sure I'm going to. I'm not taking that away from. But again, Bono had a had a hand on it. If he was diving two handed, he should have had that. 
Mm, okay, we'll agree to disagree on that. I think the real issue there was that as a team, you know, off the restart, they they shut off, right? They switched off. Um, and no one is stepping to George Mihailovic as he's driving towards the box and essentially giving him a free crack at goal. And yes, okay, maybe your goalkeeper, you know, can maybe get a hand to it. But like you're giving a, a, a guy who was an M, well, was up until he got a hurt, an MVP candidate, essentially a free crack at goal. Uh, with very few people stepping to him. I mean, Crescito tried at the end, but at that point he had stuck, you know, he stuck sort of a, I'll call it a lazy effort to try to block the shot. Um, and Mihailovic puts it in, right? And 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 that's and, and that's what worries me more than just the goalkeeping situation. That's a part of it for sure, but it's the mentally switching off in important moments that, that, that really un- undid us in that game. Um, because if you're if you're switched on at two 0 there's no way Mihailovic is driving uncontested towards the goal and getting a free crack at goal, essentially. Right? No, I, yeah, no. Like, I mean, there's a combination of, of of mistakes that that causes that. You know, not solely, but I'm just saying. Like, again, when you look at the replay, you see him bonus too far to the left. He's not centered himself in the right position. He's not sharp on his toes. So yes. Everything else is 100% beautiful shot, well-placed, power behind it. But again, based on the distance, I believe if he's one step to the right, diving two-handed, he gets it. Right? Fair. One of the, Again, this is me as everything I've been taught as a keeper is always yeah. knowing where you are in your six-yard box, always understanding. I, as a kid, used to walk, start of the game, mark certain spots, so I always knew where to be. And so I based on angles. So how you, the best way to, to um, cut down the angle on the shooter, if you know where every, those marks are based on your six yard box, you're taught that from your kid. And then it just becomes ingrained naturally in your brain. He's not, he, again, not blaming Bono, but right now change of scenery is the only thing that's going to help his career. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, FCP, you've been waiting for a while. Thanks so much. Uh, go ahead and mute yourself, man, and give us your thought or your question. Hey, hi, guys. Uh, yeah. Th- thanks for having me speak. I, I, I uh, appreciate it a lot. Look, I'm, I'm going to come in here with a bit more of a positive outlook. Um, look, I'm not going to harp on the goalkeeping. Um, we all know what, what, what it is. The offseason's coming soon. Judging by Bob Bradley's comments last night, I think we all kind of know where where he's going with that. Um, and the reason why I'm going to go positive here is, you know, for the ones, for the people who remember this team, say, in 2015 or 2014, right? We brought in our big stars first, right? So we had Josie in, we had Michael in, we had Seba in. But the team, in many ways, was what it is now. It needed a goalkeeper. I think we had Joe Bendick at the time. Um, our defense needed a lot of work. Our midfield needed a, a lot of work. So, you know, I don't want to, I mean, I agree with everything said here. I think this team has a mentality issue, which we had in 2014 and 2015, um, as everybody knows. So, look, I think on the positive side of things, this is a team that wasn't expected to make the playoffs. We were not a, a team, like I, for one, said even when the two guys came in the summer that we still weren't going to make it just because there's too many holes. You know what? I could say if Mark Anthony K and Oso were healthy for the whole eight games, I think that's an extra four or five points right there. So maybe, maybe that's enough to squeak in, but that's football. There's always injuries. There's always going to be things happening. That speaks to our, our lack of depth. But, you know, after the 2015 season, look at the moves that 
then manager Tim um, Tim May, right? He brought in, I think he brought in a goalkeeper, I believe, that offseason in Clint Irwin. He brought in Drew Moore to be at the back. He brought in Will Johnson in midfield. And then the next offseason, it was Victor Vasquez and then Mavinga, right? So like you were saying, four or five pieces away, those are the four or five pieces, right? We need a goalkeeper. We need a center back. We need another midfielder. And in our case, we don't need a midfielder, but we need another striker. So, you know, I think it's the same type of rebuild. You you go after the international players first, which is what we did in the past. And then we're going to go after MLS veterans now. And I think for Bob Bradley, this is where he's going to really have to earn his money this off season. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy to sign DPs like any, I, I don't want to play armchair quarterback, but in fairness, when you have MLSC's money, it's a lot easier to sign those players, right? But where Bob Bradley's going to make his money now is how is he going to replace our goalkeeper within the league? How is he going to get an, another center back within the league? This is where it's going to come down to. So, you know, on the positive side of things, guys, I think if you follow the trend of how TFC's built their teams for when they were winning, it's the same recipe, right? And so, and, and, and in regards to the mentality, look at, I mean, I think that, you know, Bob Bradley is going to clear out those players, right? There's going to be guys that are going to be moved out due to mentality issues. And then it's, you know, and I think that's what it comes down to. So I'm, I'm not going to harp on the negatives. I think there's a lot that we can harp on from the goalkeeping to certain areas of the field. But I think overall, I think people have to look at on the positive side that our DPs are, are scoring goals. There's no question about that. And I think it's just, you know, and there's a lot of things that are going to have to be changed. And I think this is truly Bob Bradley's biggest test now, I think, in this offseason. Because there's there's a lot of holes. And in my opinion, I think he's on the clock now. So, No, thank you for that. That's a really that's a really great summation of, of, of sort of what's going on. And you're right, right? Like, I think we, you know, we mentioned on the show before as well that I think you, you know, I, I've always looked at this team as kind of like a 2015 team. And it's uh, it's an interesting parallel to that team where they could score a lot of goals. They brought in big players, but they couldn't stop, a you know, anything going through a wet paper bag. Right. Like they they were terrible defensively. Um, and there's a lot of echoes to that team. Obviously, the difference is in the first half of the season, we were all playing academy kids where you had the big guns from the start of the season. Um, but, you know, it, it, I think what you're you're talking about there in terms of bringing in those those key pieces in the off season, you know, a lot of times we have been preaching preaching patience. The club has preached patience because you know this isn't the final team; it isn't in its final form yet. But I think you know you can also excuse fans for being optimistic because they did go on a run and they did give us hope at the end, right? Like in terms of the run that they made the, you know, Insigne and Bernadeschi come in and look, in my opinion, they've been better than advertised, at least, you know, in terms of just being able to hit the ground running and make an immediate um, impact on the team the way they have. I knew, you know, I think everybody knew they were going to be really good. I just didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't think they were going to be that good that quickly and gel into the team so quickly. Um, So that's a, that's a positive, right? I think like we've mentioned before, I think you're finding some younger players that can play bit part roles for you in the squad. uh, Jaden Nelson. I think Noble Akello didn't play that poorly last night. I thought he was okay. Not great, but okay. Um, You know, I, I think you can find a place for a Kosi Thompson, it's not a right at right back though. Um, you know, I, you, you kind of are starting to get those pieces and know what you need. You also know who needs to go, 
right? I think that's also a good thing in a sense that, yes, of course, it's costing you results now, and that sucks. But you also know that, yes, Alex Bono is not probably your goalkeeper going forward. You probably do need another number nine. You may even need to, you, you're probably going to need to bolster in the midfield um, somehow, you know, whether that again comes in the form of a DP or if it comes in the form of um, an MLS veteran, right. Or, or somebody that's in the league, you know, you, you're going to have to strengthen there. You're going to have to strengthen your depth on the bench, right? You know, there are some young players that just aren't going to be able to be a future. You're going to have now have to figure out what you're going to do with Jaquiel Marshall ready. You know, is he a part of your future? Or are you selling him on? You know, I, I think as much as we're talking about last night and how much of a bummer it is to lose a Derby game, look, you can't blame fans for being upset for losing a Derby match, um, especially as one as important as last night's was. But you are starting, you now have a clear sort of, here's where we need to go next in order to get where we think we can be. Because in the positive, this team did go up 2-0 on the second place team in the Eastern Conference within 10 minutes. And if you have a stronger team behind that, you probably see out that result. Um, so that's a positive. And I think this team next season is going to be really good. I think they're going to be really, really good. Um, it, it's just now you got to find those pieces that can complement sort of the big stars that they brought in, as you mentioned. Yeah. Look, I, I um, I'll just say a, uh, a couple things quickly. Look, I'm, it's a lot easier to also have a lead and not allow goals when you have a very good midfield, right? And uh, again, I'm not going to harp on our young players in midfield. They're at, right now, they're being asked to do a job that they're just not ready for, right? And I think that's fair. We saw it against the LA Galaxy. They took away our wing play and then we couldn't get anything going through the middle, right? So like I said earlier, even if you take out Bono's mistakes, right? If we have those two midfielders in there for the last six or seven games, does Wiki Preach make a run? all the way to 25 yards out and hit it. I don't think he does, right? So you can look at all the little individual things and think maybe that's two points here, three points there. So in fairness, I think this team could have made a run with the midfield. But again, that's football and that speaks to our lack of depth. Or maybe those young kids are just not ready yet for, for that role. And maybe that's what Bob Riley's looking at is, are these guys ready? Do I move them out? Do, do I loan them out next year to even a CPL side? I mean, there's options. So from the positive side, look, at I still think I think I think we're fine in midfield. My only question and then kind of I'll, I'll let everybody else speak is how would you spend that last DP spot? Like, would, would you go for a pure number nine <laughs> finisher or would you go at a center back kind of that captain of the back there? Okay, that would, that would be my last question. Thanks, guys. Awesome. No, no. Thanks for for participating. We really appreciate it. Um, come back anytime. I'm just going to move you back into the audience, Sean. I'll let you take that question um, because I think we've talked about it uh, before. Um, but what ideally, what would you do with that final DP spot? Well, I wouldn't go with the center back um, because unless you're getting one of the best center backs in the world, I think we can spend use that DP differently. Um, I get, I mean, I think in an ideal scenario, we've already used it with two tech attacking players. I'd rather use it uh, in a midfield role. Um, that's my take. Um, I've seen people even suggest, whether it be sarcastically or not, you know, going after, you know, a goalkeeper. But me personally, it's definitely going to be a, uh, it'd be a midfielder, um, potentially more of an attacking player. Um, 
you know, somebody who can kind of really be that that link between the three men up front. Yeah, I mean, arguably you had that in Alejandro Pozuelo, but that's another story for another day. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I do think it it's in the midfield. We'll have to see what Jonathan Osorio's situation is. Um, because, again, he missed this game. Again, we don't know what's up with him. Um, and I don't want to speculate because we just simply don't have any insight into what's going on with Jonathan Osorio right now. But, I mean... You know, he's, he is a free agent um, and, and they're going to have to negotiate a contract and what that looks like and whether or not he's back will, deter, I think, determine, you know, what they do with that final DP spot. I personally think it should be in the midfield, even if they do sign him. Um, you know, again, most people know that my, my affection for N'Golo Conte, but, um, you know, even if you're not even at that level, right, if you're you're thinking about somebody who can be more of a – um, of a holding player. Look, Michael Bradley is still fantastic. He, he's arguably still one of your better players on the team, and statistically, he's having a really great year. I just think you need to do you need to find somebody who can again he can share minutes with, um, and and take a little bit more work off his plate. Even though he is a fantastic athlete and can run forever, um, I still think you might need to look for that in that in that vein because I still think you can use Insigne or Bernadeschi to be partly that creative role as well um, in that quote unquote number 10 role. Um, but again, that that's just, just, just me. I, what I think TFC will end up doing is using it on a nine. I think they will end up using it on a number nine if they can find the right player. Um, because as uh, FCP mentioned, right. It, it for TFC, it is a lot easier to probably to bring in DPs than it is for them to go scout interleague guys um, to fill that role. Though I do think they could fill that number nine role with an interleague player um, if they find the right guy. But um, we've got some tweeted in comments. Uh, so let me just go through those really quick. Um, yeah, Andy Hartzig, I don't think I've heard Noel uh, that glum that says a lot. Yeah. I mean, look, a Derby day loss is a tough loss anytime. Um, and, you know, I think that's just the, the mood right now is, one, you lose a game that essentially it doesn't mathematically knock TFC out of the playoffs, right? They can still mathematically qualify, but again, it's win out and you need a ton of help. And they didn't get a ton of help last night because New England won um, as well. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, Jordan says, leave it for Montreal to put the final nail in the coffin for our playoff hopes. Different levels between Canadian national team players and the TFC hopefuls is clear. And well, I mean, look, two national team players scored goals last night in uh, Kamal Miller and, and Alistair Johnson. And that, in that, in that, uh, that headed goal by Alistair Johnson, I mean, that's a killer. I mean, he climbs to Neil Henry. Uh, that's not good. Um, it, it just, it, that goal just, that's the, to me, that's the goal that really sucked the life out of the, the building, that fourth goal. Cause it just, it wasn't just that it was the fourth goal. It was just the the nature of how it went down. Um, just really, really sucked the life out of the, the stadium, I, I noticed. I mean, you know, people kept in it. The South, they kept chanting, of course, but you could kind of see hearts weren't as into it um, at that point. Um, Robbie saying disappointment D-Day show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's a D-Day show. But, I mean, look. They, the people are disappointed. I think that's a that's a reality um, of how people feel. I, again, there are positives. Don't get me wrong. Long term, 
but in the short term, yes, disappointment. And, and you know what? I think we're allowed to be disappointed. We have a, a love for the club, right? Like, if you didn't care about your club, you wouldn't have, a, you know, a post-game show bitching and complaining, whining, you know, letting out their frustration. I think that's that's okay. We're allowed to. And I yeah, think we're, we're you know... I, you know, like, you know, some of us who, you know, when it comes to that, those Derby matches compared to, say, some of the other matches, it, there's a personal pride, right? And I, I, I personally feel the club, the team just didn't step up. Like, you know, you're going against our heated rivalry. You know we're going to bring it as a fan perspective. And the players just, like, and, and you know, I, I think – we kind of hope that the local ones are always going to be the ones to feel that, that Toronto versus Montreal. And, you know, we know for a fact, Kamal took it personal, you know, Alistair takes it personal when he plays. like these guys bring what we, the passion we want from our players. And those are the kind of players we need to, to try to find uh, to add to our, our depth for next season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, both Kamal and Alistair in their pre and post game comments mentioned that, right? Kamal Miller saying, you know, in his post game, you know, they felt disrespected because all the questions seem to be how Montreal were going to handle the two DPs when, in fact, you know, they're looking at it like, wait a minute, we're second place in the Eastern Conference. People should be asking how TFC are going to deal with us, um, which is fair, right? Um, you know, I have tweeted out that right now, you know. Montreal right now, as a full-balanced team, is a much better-built team than Toronto FC is. Um, individually, yes, of course, there there are probably uh, some more, uh, in some handfuls of cases, more talented players on Toronto FC individually. But as a team built out, right now, quite far ahead of, of where TFC is currently. Um, but that gap, I think, will close fairly quickly. Um, Christopher Farrell just saying here that, you know, basically Bono has some of the weakest hands in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it, right? Uh, just not right now. He's just not going to be the goalkeeper that Toronto FC needs to go to where they want to go. Um, Jordan again saying Mavinga got dog walked on the third goal. Yeah, I mean, he got bodied by Kai Kamara. And a lot of people are saying, how can he get beat by a 38-year-old striker? I will put it this way. Kai Kamara right now, I think, is third in the history of MLS in goals. Um, I think he just got into third or maybe even second. Um, no, he he's, knows how to grind still, out those goals. Well, he scores goals in this league, right? Like at 38, he's still – like, I mean, the leap on the man is true is still tremendous, right? Like, it's incredible. I saw him win some balls um, in the air last night, contested against our center backs, and he won them all. Like, he still has that ability. And he's one of those guys, again, I'm not saying go out and get Kai Kamara. That's not what I'm saying from a TFC perspective. But those are the kind of guys that mm-hmm. can make a difference on your team. They, yeah. They're not going to be your stars. They're not, that, that's not the point. They, those kind of guys can go up and make differences for your team. And Wilfred Nancy has talked about it, the fact that his mentality, his experience in the league, his experience outside the league has made such a massive difference to that group. And that's kind of what I mean by being able to get these kind of MLS veteran guys is that they can help unify a room. Because right now, I mean, look, Bernadette and Insigne are way up, way, way, way up. And then you've kind of got a next tier and then you've got sort of the rest of the team. And I think those MLS guys help bridge that gap between 
you know, 12, 10, 50, $50 million a year players and guys are on like, you know, 170K, right? Uh, that's, that's, that's a big thing. I think it's an underestimated thing um, in the league. Oh, definitely. And I mean, I actually recall in the preseason uh, before Kai had uh, signed with Montreal, I remember somebody suggesting, like, should TFC look for a player like that? And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, no, you know, and you know what? Like, not to say he would have been our main striker, but, you know, that's, those are the kind of players we need to start to really take. Like, we hope Bob is going to take a hard look at. You know, those kind of players that aren't don't necessarily strive for the limelight, just want to grind out and hustle and give you 110 every single game, whether it be for 30 minutes, 90, whatever you is asked of them, they bring it. And we're, we we just don't have those type of players. No, we don't. And I mean, look at this year. Like he's got six goals, six assists. It doesn't seem like a lot, um, but right now that would make him, well, now with Insigne, I think, or sorry, um, Burdeshi, I think, is about on six or seven now with us. Uh, he would be joint second top goal scorer on the team at the moment. Um, and also would be, I think, either our assist leader or maybe second in assists on the team. So there's that. Um, Robbie, uh, just bringing you in. Go ahead, man. Unmute yourself. Hello. Happy Labor Day. Um, yeah, fireworks are going off by my house right now. The diecats are clearly are winning or something because they're getting a lot of fireworks. Oh, no, we can't talk CFL, they ruin our field. Come on, Mike. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, uh, all jokes aside, okay, so is the team good enough? No, are we missing pieces? Yes. Uh, did everyone bring up incredible points that are that our front office is probably thinking about? Yes. So I'm going to skip all that and I'm going to go for the e true Hollywood story. All right, the game starts off. It's lightning. Let's go TFC. And then drama ensues. And you know, and by the end, it's Al Pacino on the step screaming, no. And to be honest with you, you, you thought, you know, the, the love was gone. And then you, if you were there under 115 before the stadium emptied, there were the supporters rising out of the ashes, you know, just with the incredible energy. So is like, you know, the TFC supporter group back? Is BMO back? Yeah, team not there yet. And I think what I really want to touch on, and this is the hope for the future, is did, did you not see how much frustration that Insigne and Bernadeschi showed and how much they want to win? And and when I look at that, what I see is I see one, two guys who want to be here, who want the best out of this. And they know they're on the world stage because it's not just Toronto watching. There's a ton of eyes on them from back home. And these guys are European champions. And I think what I'm really taking from that is who's going to put pressure on that front office to fill these holes. You don't think Insigne and Bernadeskin are, are going to be knocking on Bob's and Bill's door saying, who's coming? Who's making me not look like an idiot out there when I, when I'm just pulling goals out of, you know, out of a hat. And I think that bodes well for our future. Uh, so it's really nice to see the stars come in. Cause I, I think back in when we were killing it, you know, Altador, I mean, Bradley's doing it every day. He'll still do that. Javinko, they were knocking on the doors of the guys who made these decisions. They were making sure the team was filled out. So that pressure from elite athletes, I think, is going to make a difference. And you're right. I think we're going to be really good next year. They'll fill the holes. I don't know where they're going to get it from. I think Sean made some good points. We got to get it from inside MLS, too. It's really important. 
Um, so I don't know. Happy Labor Day. And uh, as a labor of love, thanks for doing this today. And uh, yeah, let, let, let's let's enjoy the last few games and let's make noise on the 30th one last time. Maybe it'll be worth something. Hey, at least you're going to get some discount on some home shirts, I think. <laughs> you want to get, get a home shirt? Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to be cutting those down 50%, maybe 40%. We'll see. Uh, no. We'll um, get there early. <laughs> Well, get yeah, get there early uh, <laughs> if you want a home shirt because uh, they're probably changing up for next season. Um, but no, I, I, you know, Robbie, I think you you make a great point. Look, I, I look as much as this is a a bit of a a, a downer show uh, from the sense that losing the Derby sucks. You know, there are those glimmers of light there. I, I think that it is important to stress that um, because I, I like I said, I think this team. If they can get this offseason right, and I think Chris said it or maybe FCP said it. I can't remember who. Um, but, look, this is probably going to be one of the most important offseasons. I know we've been, I feel like we've been saying that quite a bit um, over the last couple of years, but this will be maybe the most important offseason. Um, maybe not in club history, but pretty close. Just simply because who you bring in in this offseason will really – determine how this team is going to go for the next couple of years, right? Um, whether or not they start – and look, I don't know if they're going to turn into all-conquering world beaters again. Um, you know, I, I don't even know if that's necessarily the goal. I think it's about can we build a team that is going to be a perennial contender um, for a while and build a build a foundation for this team to be able to – kind of pulled something like what Seattle has done and what, you know, SKC had done for a long period of time um, until the last maybe two seasons. Uh, it's just build a consistent team that no matter if you lose a guy, you can, pl- you, you know, you have the scouting ready to put the next guy in and that person can carry on and continue the line of success. That's the next step uh, for this team. And I, I don't know what, what shape that, looks like yet we don't know but that's sort of the the hope and i think i think we should be positive in that regard because it when tfc has in the past had to sort of face this challenge they've they've done well um at least in more recent history like you know you know let's not talk about the dark days but um in more recent history let's just say they've been able to to step up to that point um and, and that's how i kind of agree. sean what do you what do you think no i mean you know robbie hit it on the head i think you know you're going to have pressure from your big stars, you know, to make this team better. And I think one of the, to kind of touch on that even more is when you see players like Insignia and Brenda, she's showing that passion on the field, you know, they're not here for the paycheck. They're here to win. And from a fan's perspective, that's what you want from your DPs. You don't want these guys coming here thinking, Ooh, easy paycheck. I can just take it easy. Everything's rosy. No, these guys are giving it their all, their passion, their hunger, their desire to win. And that's, you know, you hope they that the club brings in players that are infectious like that and can, that can only be positive, right? Um, we don't want, you know, in the offseason them to somebody whisper in the air, you know what, you guys don't need to put all that effort in. What's the point? Blah, 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 blah. We want hunger. We want our 11 players with that same type of passion. They don't have to all have that same skill set, but, you know, when you're playing – the game you love, the sport you love for a living, you would expect that passion to be natural. 
And um, sorry, I'm just going to chime in a bit. I think that may like speaking about that passion and the players that really care while the TAM signings and all those MLS players that can really add to our depth are important. Those, those guys are easier to move. So if they're not a good fit, I'm like they're easier to move around the league or offload to on loan to you know some like lower tier league somewhere if things aren't working out. But I think the DP's got to be a home run, right? It's got to be a great fit because usually they come in on inflated contracts or they're maybe at the tail end of their prime. So if we don't hit that home run, we we might be stuck with another albatross, right? I think we got lucky with Salcedo. He fit even though we didn't have wingbacks, but. This DP signing and this offseason is going to be huge, and it's got to be a fit. And unfortunately, you know, the, all the expectations they've built up for this fan base, it's got to be a home run. Yeah, for sure. Robbie, I'm just going to move you back into the audience, man. Thanks for your thoughts. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, look, I, I think any well, that that's true for any club, really, right? Like, because of what you just mentioned there, Robbie, right? The your DPs have to be home runs. You cannot mess up on your DPs. And look, we messed up on our DPs last year, right? Like, like you know, we we kept Josie a year, maybe two, too long, and Soteldo was a mess. So, you know, from from that perspective, you know, you you really you, you've already got to, you've already gone two for three, right? You're already you know, Insigne's a hit, Bernadeschi's a hit, right? Like they're undisputed. They're already great. Um, the third one will be interesting. Uh, and there's a question here, not necessarily related to a DP, but this Chris asks, would you look at somebody like Lucas Cavallini as a non-DP strike option to be uh, a starter next season? Um, no, he's not healthy enough. Fair enough. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm of two minds in this. I don't know where I land on it, um, your question, Chris, because... Is there value in potentially having a domestic national team player on the team who is from Ontario? Yes. Is Lucas Cavallini quite that guy? I'm not so sure for a couple of reasons. One, he's a walking red card waiting to happen, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, he is more he likely to elbow. He's more he likely to elbow. Some, yeah, he's more likely to elbow somebody in the head uh, than he is right now to score a goal. Uh, so there's that. I also, uh, the one thing I will say as a, I consider it is that he does give you a different look on the team, especially if you decide to still go uh, roll the dice with Jesus Jimenez again, as your, your, as your number nine, because again, he, he does what we'd love IO to do but a little better. He is really great at holding the ball up. Let, let's not take that away. And when he is in form, he can't score goals. Like we, we, we've seen this. Um, so there, he does have that track record. Do I think he's the right fit? No, but you know, we'll see how the situation, this season plays out because already off season plays out. Cause again, you know, TFC could be looking at a DP number nine here, right? They may already have somebody that they already have lined up and they know that they want it's not bloody, so stop. <laughs> um, but uh, they, they're ready to bring in, right? Like, there's a lot of talk about um, Matty Adestro last year. Maybe they go look at that option again. 
Um, again, I don't know if Destro is actually really the fit either, but that, that name had been bandied about quite a bit. Um, so it, again, it will all depend, but uh, Cavallini, I'm not. Yeah. And, and plus post salary cap wise, I think you'd have to make some things happen. Cause I, you know, he may not take a DP contract, but I don't think he comes cheap either. I think he'd be max Tam, um, or at least he'd be demanding max Tam money, uh, to play for TFC. Uh, okay. Let's see. Do we have any other? No, I think we're. Yeah, just that saying that Mavinga's uh, 100% at fault uh, for the chance of the third goal. Thought the shot was savable. He agrees, essentially agrees with you, Sean, in that uh, in that case. Um, uh, Sonia, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, am I allowed to ask a goalkeeper question? Are you bored with me? Uh, Sonia, you could grab the mic and ask that goalkeeper question. I'm pretty sure we have probably talked it to death, but uh, feel free to grab the mic if you've got some thoughts on you. You're always welcome on the show. Um, and then just from Richard, late to the party, where are we at with Bono? Basically, we don't think he should be back, Richard. Um, I think that's that's not even a – we're not breaking any news there. Um, and, yeah, uh, you, you sort of echoed my comments there in terms of Cavallini discipline, lacking some quality right now. Um, I don't think he's not quality. I just think that I, I don't think he fits. Um, but, you know, again, we'll see how the offseason goes. Uh, Sonia, just bringing you in here. Um, go ahead, unmute yourself, and uh, give us your goalkeeper question. Um, no okay. worries. So I know I'm beating a dead horse to, horse to death, but here's my thing. Everyone right now, for the sake of it, is blaming Bono on, on us not making playoffs. Whether it's the game yesterday, which was an absolute heartbreak, or, you know, even going back to the entire season. But I think really the, the focus started on the uh, Inter-Miami game, which people really, really started getting on him. So, again, this is where I'm beating my dead horse, but... If a goalkeeper position is so important and literally, apparently, according to everyone, the most pivotal position of the game, why aren't we investing our money there? Why are people, and I don't mean TFC, I mean the fans as well, why are people so against investing in defense if that is the first thing that we blame? And it's literally the, the one position, the one person that apparently can break or, or, or win the game for us. And, you know, I, I said this last night, and I'm, I'm really sticking to this point because... I haven't really heard a good answer that, you know, you sign all these strikers, they can score a million goals, but if the other team scores a million and one, what is the point? And I get that you also have to score to win, et cetera, et cetera. But TFC have never really had that bad of an issue with scoring. We've always hired the right people eventually for that. But have we ever had a standout goalkeeper other than Fry? Like a, a standout goalkeeper who, who had a tenure that, really, really, really improved the team. Now, I know Fry's a little bit of a different story because, obviously, that was a whole different, you know, ecosystem at Toronto FC. But why are people so <laughs> against this idea of investing in a goalkeeper? All right, I will stop. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Anya. Um, I don't, I'm not against using a DP spot on a centre-back or a goalkeeper, but I think part of the issue, Sonia, in terms of using those DP spots on defenders and, and goalkeepers it has little, I think it has more to do with the league 
in how that spot is viewed. And I think the way, because, because let, let's be real here, a, a designated player in this league, like I would say it's probably almost 50, 50, right? Like 50% of it is about the football and 50% of it is about the marketing, right? And that can that person draw people to a stadium and sell shirts and all that kind of stuff, right? That's really what a deep, like, like the Insigne thing, Yes, of course. Football is a major part of it. He's a fantastic footballer, of course. But, I mean, a lot of that also is marketing, right? And and the, and the club hasn't, you know, they haven't, you know, hid that fact, right? I think they've probably got more of a hit out of Bernadeschi than they probably thought from a marketing perspective. Oh, I, mean, everybody I, bet loves them. I bet the club is kicking themselves for not banking on Bernadeschi as being like, no, right? Oh, point. Exactly, right? So they, they probably are just like, oh, well, okay, great, they, you know. From that perspective, and if and if anything, Bernadette, she's probably even more marketable right now than Insigne. But it, it's just the idea of right now, DPs as a league kind of look. The DP thing is a league made up title that essentially gave the LA Galaxy the right to sign David Beckham to whatever he wanted, right? So, in terms of practice. Traditionally, it is used on attackers and attacking midfielders, very rarely on um, holding midfielders. And I like again, the center back, it's always that can you justify using that money on a center back? Are, are the matrices for a center back conducive to that of a DP? And can they be judged fairly? I, I thought Carlos Salcedo, though not performing up to quote unquote a DP level, was still a was still a, in in theory a fantastic idea and, and the right one to go with at the time. Do you use a DP spot on a goalkeeper? I will probably still say no, but again, if if you ended up getting a world class goalkeeper interested in coming to Toronto FC, and it required a DP salary to get that person, why wouldn't you use it? Right. Like I'm not 100 percent against the idea. Again, if it's not going to be Virgil van Dyke, but like to say Virgil van Dyke, for example, all of a sudden was like, yeah, I want to live a North American lifestyle. And, you know, TFC is the right place for me. I love the facilities. I love the idea of where they're going. I really gel with Bob Bradley's ideas. Yes, you go and spend the DP money on a Virgil van Dyke. I guess my thing is, how do you objectively measure success? for a center back at a DP level, because we just don't have those, we don't have those metrics yet to really say what makes a really, what what makes a standout center back worth a DP contract. Right now, the only measure we have of that is Walker Zimmerman. And he's different because he's essentially a quote unquote MLS homegrown player drafted, developed within the league, turned himself into a, a standout center back. So I guess that's where I land on that. And I, again, we don't, again, and then the same argument applies for a goalkeeper. Don't really have uh, a metric on what a real DP goalkeeper looks like. I guess the closest in my opinion right now in the league would be somebody like Andre Blake for the Philadelphia union. But again, he is drafted homegrown developed into that kind of player. If that makes sense. Sorry. I know I'm rambling on a bit, Sean, please, Sonia, please jump in. Well, no, I, I, I wanted to correct myself on one thing. Uh, we also had Julio Cesar as a goalkeeper, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention him in some of our 
had a great going going away video. His going away video, just tears, absolute tears. Uh, what a time at PFC. Anyway, thank you for humoring me. I will mute myself now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Sonia. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Julio Cesar was probably, like, quote, unquote, the only world-class keeper that any team in MLS kind of went and brought in, right? Um, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's MLS way. You know, it always seems to be they would rather, when it comes to goalies, try to find that gem within the league to kind of just as a, as a cost effective measure. And you would, if anything, try to have a solid defensive core in front of him that would, you know, damper his weaknesses or hide his weaknesses. Right. But when you don't have a solid defensive core, you see you, you know, a, a goalie like Bona who, again, it's not as if I will not say the losses are his fault. Because at the end of the day, there's 11 players on the pitch. And, you know, but there's also an expectation from your goalie to come up with those big saves at those key moments. And I think, you know, if we take a look again at that third goal, regardless of the Chris Mavinga letdown, that was a weak goal. Yeah, but that, that I guess that's my point, right? Like, do you need to spend DP money on that? Like, do you need to spend DP money I, on a goalkeeper that should stop relatively simple shots? No, I don't think so. I really don't. I think you can, you can find, you know, a, a, a young hunger, you know, a keeper with that, that desire to prove that I can play at this level. You know, I don't think, I think if anything, Bono's more in his head, you know, and a hunger, uh, a, a eager Bono to prove himself would have made that save, but a Bono that doesn't, that lacks the 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 inner confidence isn't. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of people are talking about whether you should go with young goalkeepers or old goalkeepers. I, I, like, I, I, to I me, mean, you go I, with a veteran. You go okay. with a veteran. Again, but I'm not. For me, I don't think spending a DP on a on a on a on a keeper, and I think we tried the DP experiment with the defender, and again, unless you're getting, we go after that that superstar. Just getting somebody who we think could be that that superstar isn't what I want the club to do. Yeah, um, I, again, I, I'm not against the idea. I just think that do you you got to? I guess my question is, you got to ask yourself: Do you need to spend DP money on those positions? Because look, like teams in this league win MLS cups without DP goalkeepers and DP center backs, right? It's you, and there's a lot of MLS teams that go and find these guys inner league, right? This is not a, I don't think it's a, a situation where you need to go out and, you know, Man City your back line and have Amarik Laporte as like a fourth center. I'm not saying Amarik Laporte is a fourth center back, but like, do you know what I mean? Like you don't necessarily need to go out and find that kind of player. I, I do think you need to find proven guys who have solid track records, um, I say preferably in MLS, but I mean, look, if you go out and you can sign yourself a a high quality center back that's played in Europe or South America and has a consistent track record, then sure, go do it. Um, but I, the, all that to say is, I, I think you can find those players in MLS and not have to spend that money on a, a DP salary. Um, I, agree. I agree. I agree. 
Fair enough. Okay, Paul, I'm going to bring you in. You're our last speaker of the show, and I think we're going to wrap it up there. But, Paul, uh, go ahead. Um, unmute yourself and give us your thought or question. Paul, uh, you're on mute if you're trying to speak. So go ahead and oh, unmute yourself. Sorry about that. Can, you, can everyone can you hear yeah, me? No can you hear me, Mike? Yeah, we, okay, can hear you, but we hear you perfectly. Yeah, thank you. Um, really good points throughout today. And, and I know everyone is very frustrated. And I just probably want to top up on what you've been saying about um, signing a DP or not. Um, not to pile on more on Bono, but I'm also wondering, too, if there is some responsibility that needs to be put on the coaching staff. Um, I myself started off first as a, as a keeper young, and some of the mistakes that I'm seeing Bono, I'm wondering if they're not going over. Well, I'm guessing they're going over tape, but I'm just wondering if that is being consistently done with him throughout the week. Simple as being on your toes consistently when you see someone about to kick the ball, which gives you more leverage, as Sean was saying, to whether to dive to the left or to the right using both hands. These are some of the things. He's been very flat-footed. I almost refer to as um, a hockey goalie when you're on your skates and you're very flat-footed in comparison to um, football where you need to be consistently on your toes moving left or right. I've seen a lot of the goals go in. I'm just wondering, is that something we also need to look into from a coaching staff? Is the coaching staff doing enough from that perspective? Now, on top of that, is a coaching staff doing enough to prepare the team and not knocking Bob or the staff? But I'm just wondering that because going down one goal and seeing their heads down, yeah, that could be very frustrating. I'm guessing, you know, the team is probably thinking, you know, week after week, we're having the same issues um, from a goalie perspective, and I can understand the frustration. But where's that passion from the manager or the, or the coach to be like, okay, guys, let's go, uh, as much as you have your captain on the field? But um, that is something that I'm actually questioning and wondering if that's something that we also need to put a bit of responsibility on the coaching staff and Bob in regards to preparing the team as much as possible and not just relying on the DPs to think, you know what, they'll get us through no matter what um, happens, that they'll just get us through. And something to think, and I'm just wondering, even the off-season, do we need to beef up our scouting um, staff in order to ensure that we're getting the right pieces? And maybe, is it too much? And I know we asked this question before. I know you've also spoken on Toronto Until um, I Die podcast. But it's something that I'm even thinking more. Does Bob need help? Should he still be the sporting director moving forward? Or if, does he need an assistant to really guide him? Because that, I'm just wondering, this coming off season is very crucial. And is it a lot for him, you know, moving from being a coach before now to, you know, being the sporting director to get players in, to make sure that they gel? Um, is that enough? And just some of the stuff during the offseason that I've seen, you know, Ozo not playing, you know, Chris spoke about Jimenez, you know, as much as, you know, he needed a break, he scored the goal. Wouldn't we not have brought him on at least to give Io maybe that break? And so some of the decisions, as I said, I'm not fully knocking him. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be the coach moving forward. But I think these are some of the, the decisions that Bob Manning and the team needs to look forward in order to make sure that we're smooth sailing. Because the DPs are going to get even more frustrated. As much as Chris, um, Crystal was frustrated, they're going to get even more frustrated if they don't see 
um, a proper plan moving forward into 2023. And that's all I have to say. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Um, thank you for that, Paul. And, and a lot of points you brought up there. Um, I think we, we've talked through a few of them. And Paul, I'm just going to move you back into the audience. But thank you for participating. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, I, I don't know what's going... There's stuff happening behind the scenes. We don't know exactly what there is. So it's hard to... It's hard to speculate on those. But from your, the one thing I will answer there is the goalkeeping coaching situation. I think there is, there is, I think it's fair to ask the question. John Conway has been the goalkeeping coach for a while now. Um, and basically has been, for the most part, Alec Bono's goal week coach for almost the majority of his senior career. Um, and, there, and maybe there is a, a question there whether or not he's getting the right coaching uh, in terms of being able to improve. Because as many of you have pointed out, um, as Sean, you have pointed out, you know, when it comes to things like distribution, when it comes to things like decision making on when to catch a ball or when to punch a ball off a corner or a set piece, uh, you know, just when to to generally come out and, and clear a ball. Alex Bono has been making a lot of the same mistakes he's been making for quite some time. Uh, and, you know, you just wonder if that coaching is is there. It, it's, a, it's a question. I don't know. I'm not going to – I'm not a goalie coach. I can't um, say for certain. But it is something that, you know, you can maybe ask a question about. I would, I would definitely think if you're going to look at making any changes within the coaching rank, um, that would be an area that that I would not be surprised if changes were made, um, especially if you do decide to go and bring in brand new keepers. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bob chose to bring in some, you know, a new coach, maybe someone he's more familiar with. Um, again, not trying to knock or say anything negative against John Conway. I don't know him, but like you just touch on again, we haven't seen the improvements t- year after year that you would expect. And those are the things that the goalkeeping coach should be working on during the season, during the off season, week in, week out. Um, you know, my point was just, you know, reiterated with regard to Bono being flat footed. Like those are things that, you know, again, you're drilled in from your kid. These aren't, these aren't little things. These like, again, so, so, Maybe we do need to look at that, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think there will be a lot of changes again in this team uh, going into twenty twenty three, both player wise and in the front office in terms of you know some of the coaches that have stayed around from the Vanny era. John Conway is one of them, uh, and even maybe some of the scouts that are still around from the. Uh, from the Greg Vanny era. Um, okay, I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, we've got a little longer than initially planned, but uh, a lot of you uh, rightfully so have a lot to say uh, based off last night's result um, and what seemingly is the end of the playoff chase. Again, mathematically, Toronto FC are not out of it. They still could make it. But as we have said week in and week out, this team needs a lot of help. It is really going to need a lot of help now. Uh, and they essentially cannot lose the remaining four games uh, that they have this season. 
so uh, I'll wrap it up there. Um, Sean, any last thoughts before uh, we head out? Well, we got one more home game left. Uh, it's a Friday night game. Uh, we got to, you know, for all those that are that have tickets, you got to be there. You know, it is our it, it's a it's our home finale. We got to show the the club, the team, every one of those guys that we still, regardless of the results, we're there for them. So we need to be loud. Uh, we need to bring it. Um, you know, Robbie said it like you know the fans have been back. Well, we need to you know give them that send off. Uh, so that come next season, they're ready the way we've been. Absolutely. Um, and hey, uh, again, it's probably Jersey discount day, uh, which is always kind of nice. I kind of actually look forward to that. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, w- with that said, I think uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stop there. Um, the Just a couple of programming notes. Uh, the 30th will be... Uh, I mean, unless again the miracle happens and they make the playoffs, uh, the 30th will be our uh, the Tama Club's last home uh, show, uh, and then obviously uh, they play October 9th against Philadelphia on the road. Depending how things go, that might be our last show for the season. Um, so we'll see how uh, things go from there. Um, and then uh, for a programming note for Toronto till I die. Uh, we're not doing a show today, obviously, because it would have already started. Uh, we will be doing that later in the week. We are eyeing either Wednesday or Thursday at three, uh, depending on uh, what we can sort of wrangle within our own schedules. Uh, so stay tuned on the Toronto Till I Die uh, Twitter uh, page for updates on uh, the show date and time when we'll drop that. Uh, and myself, Jeffrey P. Nesker and Michael Singh uh, will be back. Uh, breaking down again this game and sort of sort of what's in store for Toronto FC going forward. Uh, other than that, uh, thanks again for listening to the Tunnel Club. On behalf of Sean, uh, really appreciate everybody jumping in with their thoughts, comments. Um, you know, and uh, we will definitely uh, <laughs> keep it going uh, with the show until the end of the season and whatever that looks like. Uh, but again, uh, enjoy your Labor Day, and we will chat to you next week. Take care.